High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Your Bibles this morning to John chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to share some things this morning. We're actually starting a series that we're going to go throughout the rest of this month with called A Heart for the House. And I believe that God wants to revive and rejuvenate a heart for His house within His people. It's amazing some of the statistics that have come out in the last two years concerning church attendance. Now, I know part of this has been due to COVID, but understand this. I believe that God wants to ignite afresh within us because listen, I, I'm not going to continue to live in COVID land. Does everybody hear what I'm what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's one thing we took precautions during that time and that season, and uh, but listen, I really do believe it's time that the church we must move on. Amen. We got to move on, and part of moving on means you got to get back in church, and not only do you have to get back in church, but you got to get faithful to church. Because for the last several years, and even really here in Panama City and Bay County, we even have the hurricane to kind of give us an excuse also. Because we saw that on the heels of the hurricane, actually church attendance went down. And then COVID only, only added to those things. And then you had the divisiveness and all the other crazy things that happened all throughout the last three or four years. And I'm, I, I really believe that the Lord is saying, church, it's time to come back alive. And it's time to get uh, revived on the inside and have a heart for the house of the Lord. Do you know that Jesus had a heart for the house? Do you know it was Jesus' custom to actually go to church? It was Jesus' habit to go to church. And we'll share just a little bit about that here in a moment. But I want to read this passage of Scripture, John chapter 2, verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Let me stop there. Uh, before I say anything else, one of the reasons it's so important that you have a heart for the house is because if you don't have a heart for the house, you really don't have a heart after God. If you don't have a heart for the house, then you really don't have a heart for your brother and sister. See, you can't say that you love your, you can't say you love God, but yet you hate the church. Right? We've got a lot of people doing that today. So I love Jesus and I love the kingdom. I just don't want to have anything to do with the body of Christ. I don't want to have anything to do with the church. And my friend, it is literally irreconcilable. You cannot reconcile those two statements. We have to understand, if we love Jesus, then we will love his bride. You want to get me upset? Start talking about my wife. I'm getting a lot of woos here this morning. I'm not trying to start out in an abrasive manner with this message, but, you know, I think every man that's here, you know what, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but don't you mess with mama. Are y'all here? Uh, do I have any men in the house that would agree to that? You can say what you want to say about me, but you better leave that woman alone. And by the way, right behind her are my kids, you know. Right? I mean, you can, see, you can do whatever you want to do to me, you know, but you don't do anything to my wife. You don't mess with my woman, you know. Don't mess with the brick house that I've been given. Don't you mess with the woman. See, and you got to understand what the Bible says is that the church is the bride of Christ. 
You know, we got too many people that are bad-mouthing the church today that need to stop bad-mouthing the church that Jesus actually shed his blood for that is his bride. It is the love of Jesus' heart, his church. And I want to tell you, the more that you really love Jesus, the more you'll love the church. The more you love God, the more you'll love gathering with those of like precious faith. The more you love the Lord, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're going to want to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the indications of a lukewarm heart is that they don't want to be in the house of God. One of the indications of somebody who is in a backslidden state, y'all don't shout me down right now, but one of the indications of somebody that's in a backslidden state is they want nothing to do with the church. And I, I know, and I know we've all heard it, but you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you absolutely do not have to go to church to be a Christian. But true Christians will go to church, right? You don't, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a part of a church to be a Christian. But understand this, if you're a believer, then you're going to get planted. You're going to get plugged in. And there's going to be a house that you begin to embrace as the family that God has joined you to. Amen? And we, let's read this passage of Scripture, John chapter 2. Y'all still with me today? I, I, am I stepping on anybody's toes yet? I certainly hope so. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' monies and overturned the tables. You know, I've said this before. Jesus is actually probably not half as nice as what some people think that he is. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make, get this, my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. It's actually quoted from Psalm 69, verse 9. That's where it's actually written at. And the disciples remembered this passage of Scripture, which means this, by the way. The disciples were students of the Word. They knew at least some, to some measure or another they had some knowledge of the Word because it would have been impossible for them to remember something that they did not, first of all, have knowledge of. So they knew the word, and they remembered this passage of Scripture. I believe the Holy Spirit actually brought it to their remembrance. I believe that something ignited on the inside of them as they saw Jesus doing what he was doing in the temple, and this Scripture was brought to their mind that zeal for your house has eaten me up. What zeal means, you might want to write this down. Zeal literally means to be hot, to be fervent, to have a burning desire or passion. To be hot, to be fervent, to have a burning desire or passion. What the disciples were actually remembering and what they were saying and what is being written here in John's gospel is this, is that Jesus was hot, that he was fervent, that he had a burning desire, and he had a passion for the house of the Lord. Jesus had a passion for the house of God. Let me say it another way. Jesus had a heart for the house. Jesus himself. Listen, if you want to be like Jesus, then you're going to have to have a heart for the house. Let me say it to this side over here. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to have a heart for the house. 
Now I'm going to say it to this side over here. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to have a heart for the house. You can't be like Jesus and not have a heart for the house because Jesus had a zeal for the house of the Lord. Jesus had a zeal for his father's house as he declared there. The disciples observed something within Jesus related specifically to the house of the Lord. They saw that Jesus, excuse me, was fervent about the house. Look at somebody and say, Jesus was fervent about the house. Jesus revealed his passion for the house of the Lord and actually the actions that were conducted. And by the way, I want to just say this as pastor. There's times that I feel that same kind of, uh, sometimes a righteous indignation whenever I see people disrespecting what God is doing in a service. You know, <clears throat> there was a time I was raised in Pentecost. And again, I always qualify this. I thank God for my Pentecostal background. You know, somebody asked me one time, were you kind of embarrassed about some of the things that happened in your Pentecostal church and that Pentecostal, you know, I said, well, you know what? I thank God that I was in the firehouse rather than the ice house. Right. There was a lot of fire and thank God. And by the way, just so you know, we are Pentecostal, okay? We're charismatic. You can put whatever label you want to us. What we found is that people have difficulty labeling us. Hallelujah. You know, at one point in time, we had people that would come by the church. We had white people that would come and call us the black church. And we had black folks that would call us the white church. How many of the church is just the church? We're not black. No, we're not white. We're not Asian. We're not Hispanic. We're those who name the name of Jesus. Amen. That's a whole other message. But, uh, you know, one of the things that would happen whenever people... When there was any type of manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, there was a holy reverence that people would exhibit. When somebody was prophesying, let me tell you what, it was quiet as a mouse in there. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about? Somebody get up to give an utterance in tongues, and then with interpretation, it was quiet. And we get people in prophetic churches that so are accustomed to what's going on, so accustomed to the prophetic, that God can be speaking something very specific and very important, and they'll just be jabbing with one another, talking and playing at the same time. My friend, there should be a reverence to what God is saying whenever the prophetic ministry is coming forth. Amen? When God is declaring something, there should be some type of reverence and honoring of what God said. Well, Jesus, you know, see, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. You know what? These kind of things don't need to be going on in the house of God. You know, this, this kind of stuff that you're doing right now, and it wasn't because uh, there was something for sale. It's because of the way that they were actually merchandising within the house of the Lord. Amen? And so understand, it was Jesus' habit to go to church. It was his custom. That's what we read all throughout the Gospels, that Jesus went to the temple as was his custom. That means it was his habit. Listen, if Jesus had a habit of going to church, then we ought to have a habit of going to church. Jesus loved the Father's house. The fact of the matter is you cannot love God without loving your brother. And if you love your brother, then you're going to love the church. You're going to love the house of the Lord. Let me just real quickly give you some statistics that we need. Now, by the way, some of these statistics are a decade old. and uh, But anyway, as a matter of fact, they're not as good as they, are, uh, uh, they were back then. But anyway, we'll read these. The average Christian, this is back about a decade ago, the average Christian goes to church approximately twice a month. The average Christian spends less time in church in one year than a child spends in school in one week. Think about that. 
the average Christian, we, want to, we wonder what's going on with the nation, what's going on with the culture, what's going on with the society. Can I tell you, it goes right back to the fact that people don't love the house of the Lord anymore and they'd rather do be doing something else. Listen, I'm all about voting in good candidates, godly candidates, but understand that that will not, re that will not resolve the lethargy that's going on in the body of Christ and within the society if we don't get our hearts back right with God. Amen? I thank God today that Roe v. Wade was overturned, but can I tell you, that did not cure and it will not cure all of the issues with abortion because abortion murder is in the heart of somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus is the only solution to these things. Everything within our society and culture, Jesus is the only answer. Another law is not going to get the job done. Because the reality is you can have a law about everything that you don't agree with, but people will still break the law if it's within their heart. Listen, that's the reason Jesus came, because the law was insufficient. Do you understand that? That's what it said. The law couldn't make somebody holy. The law couldn't make somebody righteous. So understand this legislation in itself is not the answer. There has to be a heart change within the hearts of men and women. Jesus has to be exalted as king and lord over their lives so that a nation and a society and a culture can make the change and make the shift it needs to make. Amen? The average Christian spends less time in church in one year than a child spends. I already said that in school in one week. Need to be heard again. The average Christian spends over 25 times the amount of time in front of television than they do in church. That's based on two hours a day, okay? Now, just so you know, the latest statistics are the average person, the average individual spends over six hours a day on the internet either on social media or doing something over six hours a day on the internet. And by the way, you may be surprised how much time people are spending on Facebook and TikTok, TikTok, and, and all the, and, and Instagram and everything. And that's what's going on with their mind. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. You know what? Some people just need to take a break. They need to take a vacation from their social media. And why don't you instead take that time and get in your Bible? Can you imagine if you just took 30 minutes a day that you're on social media and get in your Bible? Can you imagine just taking 30 minutes a day and turning on something that would actually stream to you the Word of God being preached? Can you imagine actually just being faithful to the house of the Lord instead of that one hour that you're actually using on social media? Y'all still love me? I'm not mad with anybody. That's a hug from me to you. I'm not attempting to condemn anybody, but I am going to shine the light today and say, church, we got to wake up. God's wanting to revive a heart for the house. Amen? The average Christian will spend as much time. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Since it's six hours, that means the average Christian would spend over 75 times the amount of time in, on the Internet than they do in church. The average Christian will spend as much time in the movie theater as they do in church based on one movie a month. The average, unless, you know, some, some uh, churches, you know, they, the movie theater, if, you, you know, if Jesus comes and you're there, you'll, you'll miss it. But anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Your trumpet sounds, and you're, oh, you're watching Jaws, you know, whatever. <laughs> the average Christian with children in any kind of sports activity or any other extracurricular activity will spend approximately 15 times the amount of time in recreational activity than they do in church. The average Christian will spend 
Now, by the way, I thank God, nothing wrong with athletics. Thank God, where's Dario? There he is. Good, good basketball. And where's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Antonio Snell. You know, nothing wrong with basketball. That's great and wonderful. I like to watch, you know, some sports and things like that. But I will tell you something that we have a problem with in the United States in our culture and our society, and that is we've made an idol out of sports. We made an idol out of it. It's become an idol in a lot of people's heart. And that's not the only thing. There's a lot of idolatry that God did. I believe that God is calling the church to repent from and turn away from. Not just, you know, sports. Again, nothing wrong. Everything, whenever it's held in balance, is fine. But whenever that becomes the focus of your life, I don't care what it is, when that becomes the priority of your life, then things are out of order. Amen? The average Christian, again, will spend more time checking and responding to their email than attending church based on five minutes a day average, and most people spend a lot more than five minutes a day. The average Christian will spend approximately 15 times the amount of time, are you ready for this, eating lunch than attending church. I'm telling you one thing that we won't do. We won't miss lunch, but we'll miss church. Right? No, nothing, we ain't gonna miss lunch, ain't that right, Vic? <laughs> Not gonna miss lunch, no. Ain't that right, Paul? Not going to miss lunch. Let me tell you what, whenever we leave from here today, I guarantee you every single person here, as long as you have the wherewithal, you're going to go have lunch somewhere, right? Even if it's a candy bar, you're going to have lunch. Even if it's a protein bar, you're going to have, you're going to get something to eat, right? Because we're not going to miss a meal. We're not going to miss the three squares. But I don't have three squares. I just have two meals a day. Yeah, you have 10 snacks though, but you're not going to miss any snack. And you're not going to miss any meal, right? We're not going to miss any of that. And by the way, it's very interesting. Mm. For those we just prayed for that are teachers, I want you to know I love and I appreciate every single one of you, and I'm thankful for everything that you do. And you want you to know we are, you have a church that's praying for you and that's backing you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We're behind you, praise God. And not only do we say that, but we're doing things about it. This week, we fed the, we fed the, uh, the entire staff at Callaway Elementary. We're working on some things right now we're going to do for North Bay Haven, and we're doing some things for the Rutherford. This is you know, people that we have connections with. And I thought with Dario today, we're going to probably do something, that find, try to find something we can do there. And, uh, because we want to be a blessing, and we want to reach out, right? But teachers, if you have a student that's only showing up once a week, what do you think about them? Don't answer it, I know what you think about them. They got sorry parents. Parents won't get them to, get them to school. They don't care about their education. And yet we got people that barely come to church once a month. It's amazing, we expect more many times, oh, we expect more out of our kids and their faithfulness to school than we do faithfulness to the house of the Lord from the parents. Can I tell you again, I'm not getting on to anybody, but I'm telling you that, they, listen, going to the house of the Lord should be a priority for every person who names the name of Jesus. And if it's not a priority in your life, then you need a trip down to the altar and you need to allow God to begin to stir up on the inside of you a fire and a heart for the house of the Lord. Amen? Y'all still love me? Y'all gonna be back next week? 
Is anybody going to be back next week? <laughs> That's still weak. I'm sorry. Is anybody going to be back next week? See, we prioritize everything else. But yet, if we get in trouble, we're going to run to the Lord. They're going to pass around having a problem with my marriage. But where were you Sunday? Well, I was out on the boat. I need some R&R. &R. We need some family time. Well, it's interesting that, you know, last week I just shared some things on marriage. Oh, really? Maybe if you were in church more often, you wouldn't have the marriage problems that you're having. Maybe if you were in church more often, you wouldn't have the financial issues that you're having. Maybe if you were, man, I'll tell you what, I don't sound very nice today, but I listen, I'm saying this because I love you. I'm saying it because I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't say, listen, if I didn't love you, I would just say something to blow smoke your way, to make you, I want to be your friend. You know, all we need is love, and we all live together in a yellow submarine, you know? And that's the way and the approach that we would take. But my friend, I'm not called to be your best friend. I'm called to be your pastor, to tell you the truth and to preach the truth of God's word so that things will align itself within your life. Got everybody prioritizing everything about, except the house of the Lord. But the, it's interesting, Jesus prioritized the house. Jesus left an example for every one of us. If Jesus prioritized the house, then we ought to prioritize the house. Now think about this. Jesus constantly, it was his custom, he was always in the house of the Lord. He was always there at the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, he didn't miss. He, he learned scripture and the word by being in the synagogue. And so think about this for a moment. Jesus did not even agree with what the Pharisees and the scribes were teaching. But yet he still was faithful to be in the house of the Lord. Because sometimes I hear people say, well, you know what? I just don't agree with people down there at the church. Da, 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 da. So I'm just not going to go anywhere because everybody's got it wrong. Isn't it amazing how everybody's got it wrong except for you? That is one of the greatest statements of arrogance that I've ever heard. And the reality is this. You know what, we, the, there's never going to be a place that anybody's going to find where you agree with everybody 100%. Okay? I've been married to my wife now for 41 years. And I thought that I could raise her up because I thought the Bible says train up a wife in the way that she should go. I had to go back and read it once again. I thought I could make her like me. I thought I could make her think like me. And what I found out is it doesn't work that way. She has an opinion. Is there any men here this morning that can relate to what I'm saying? Is there anybody, is there any man that's here this morning that can say, yes, my wife has an opinion? And not only does your wife have an opinion, but she's going to make sure that everybody knows her opinion in your house. Right? Yeah, am I right? My wife's not bashful about her opinion. And if she's in a place where she doesn't feel like she can talk about it, wait till we get in the car. <laughs> Now, 
We all live, in the, we live on the same street, right? We all go through the same things. We're all experiencing the same things all the time. You know what? And the reality is, you know, she's got an opinion. So, you know, I, the, the, I'm going somewhere with this, and that is this. You will never find anywhere where they're gonna, you're going to agree with everybody 100%. It just doesn't happen, okay? I mean, if that's what you're expecting, and you're going you're gonna to make a judgment on how everybody's got it wrong because they have a different opinion than you, then what you have done is you've exalted, you've exalted your opinion in a place where it becomes an idol in your life to where now it is something that's greater than the relationship that God has placed between you and other members of the body of Christ. And my friend, we got to move past that. Right? I said we have to move past that. That's one of the greatest signs of immaturity in the body of Christ we have today. People can't even discuss things civilly anymore. You know, the reality is, Pastor Joshua and I, there's times that we sat down and we talked about theology things and we don't necessarily see eye to eye. You know, there's some people that I relate with. I don't see necessarily 100% exactly. And by the way, if you, if, I, if you take 10 theologians and ask them a question, okay, you're probably going to come out with 10 different answers, slightly different in some way or another because everybody always has a little bit different slant or a little bit different opinion. And my friend, my listen our unity is not based on our opinions on things that are peripheral our unity is based on the fact that this we are washed in the blood of Jesus I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost we have a mission to accomplish here in the earth you know what and if we don't get it right as the church and the world is never going to come to Jesus you hearing me so the foremost way to exhibit a heart for the house is just to be there. Just to be there. It says Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love. Consider one another in order to stir up love. There's some people that don't have any love in their life because they've forsaken the house of the Lord. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another not, get, notice, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. There was a problem in the early church. There are people that weren't coming to church, people that were not assembling. I'm saved, all I need is Jesus, just Jesus and me. No, it's not like, that's not the way it works. God didn't establish, it is not good for man to be alone. We're all called, and I, just, and I know he, was, he, he made a woman, and, but understand this, there is a principle, there's an overarching principle that we need one another. He says, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. In other words, we need to exhort one another, don't, don't miss church. Exhort one another, you need to be in the house of the Lord. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Now, again, as I already said, it was Jesus' custom to go to church. And I could give you, uh, as Bishop Hammond, you saw when we say 4011 scriptures about how that Jesus, it was his custom. That was the way he lived. And so, again, Jesus didn't agree with everything the religious leaders were doing and saying, but it was still his practice to go to church, to the synagogue. You don't have to agree with everyone to attend church, to be connected to a body of believers. Paul realized this was so important that he would even go to a Jewish synagogue when there was no New Testament church in town, and he would start preaching there. Paul had not even been sent to preach the gospel to the Jews. He was actually sent to preach it to the Gentiles, but he knew the importance of gathering together with, with others so he would actually show up at the synagogue. We must be present. Look at somebody and say, you've got to be present. 
You've got to be present in order to grow spiritually. You have to be committed. You have to be faithful. It will make a difference in your life, and it will make a difference in your family. I can give you testimony after testimony of people that we have seen come into the church. They get planted. They get rooted. And God begins to bless them, begins to bless their family, begins to bless their business, begins to bless their job, begins to bless them in every arena of life. And then we've, and, and, and you just see a continual growth that God does within their life. And then we've seen others, you know, unfortunately I've seen others that similarly came into the church. I, I, I can think of several different individuals, had nothing whenever they showed up. Barely had a car, he had a whole smoker. It wasn't the glory of God that was coming out of the tailpipe. That wasn't a glory cloud. It was burning oil. And they had come to church and didn't, you know, could barely get there, living in some type of resemblance of a house, but really wasn't even a house. Didn't have any money. Was barely getting along, barely, you know, barely being able to get by. They got in the church, got planted, began to give, began to sow. God began to bless them. Got a good job, started making really good money. Kept, you know, kept blessing them, and they kept blessing the body of Christ, kept blessing the church, you know, and later on got a, a, a beautiful home. I mean, really beautiful home. Somewhere along the line, they got offended. They got upset about something, and they decided, well, I'm going to cut off my connection with the church. They cut off their connection with the church. You know, the next thing you know, within a year or two, they've lost their house. Their family begins to fall apart. Kids begin to do all kind of crazy things. And then this is just one thing after another to where finally they had absolutely nothing. My friend, the body of Christ is a connection. It is a lifeline to every single one of us that God has established within the church. He's established this within the earth for it to be a lifeline for us, for it to be, a, if I can even use this terminology, like a life source, a channel, that he begins to breathe life into us. Because the Bible actually declares that the church is made strong when every joint is supplying what they're supposed to supply. See, a strong church isn't based upon how strong the preacher can preach. A strong church is based upon how every joint, how every member supplies and does what they're called to do. That's what makes the church strong. Luke 14, are y'all still with me? Are y'all still with me? There's so much more that I would like to share, and I'm going to just share this, and then we'll have to close, and we'll say the other for later. Luke 14, 16. I want to make sure that everybody understands I'm not getting on to anybody, but however, if the shoe fits, wear it. Right? If you need to make adjustments in your life, then you make adjustments in, in your life. If everything else that you're doing is so much more important than the house of the Lord, that I would encourage you to readjust your priorities. The house of the Lord should be a priority within your life. And I know some people say, well, that's easy for you to say because you're a pastor. Let me say this. I was acting this out. I was doing it, and I was preaching it before I ever became a pastor. I've been saved my entire life. Praise God. You know what? Thank God for my mom and daddy. And by the way, they were never pastors. They were never ministers. But you know what? On Sunday morning, I can tell you where we were because there was no question where we were going to be. We were going to be in the house of the Lord. And by the way, parents, if you don't teach and train your children in this manner, if you allow everything else and his brother and his sister and everything else to get in the way of you actually being committed to the church, then you're going to see it actually in the fruit of your children later on. I'm saying that to rescue you and from later on the issues that will end up taking place. So, I, I mean, I practiced this whenever I was a little boy. You know what? When I was a teenager, I couldn't wait to get to church. They could have had church every week. 
Every night of the week, and I'd have been there because I love to be in the house of God. I mean, obviously, my responsibilities were fairly low, and I didn't have that much that I had to do other than go to school. But you know what? I love being in the house of the Lord. You know what? Before I became a pastor, I was faithful to the house of God. Before I, whenever Pastor Stacey and I, when we were traveling in ministry a tremendous amount, and by the way, Pastor Joshua can tell you, and also it's good to have Pastor Kayla and Kelvin here. This is our, our, our beautiful daughter and son-in-law. Our beautiful daughter and son-in-law. He's not beautiful, but anyway. <laughs> but the reality is they can tell you that the norm for them was to be in church four times a week. That was the norm. They were going to be in church at least four times a week. I mean, they didn't, and they didn't get a choice either, okay? And uh, that's even whenever they didn't have kids' church. They were going to be in church. You know what? And we have, again, there's been such a... Uh, uh, th this attitude that has been creeping up within the church that is an attitude toward the house and toward the gathering of the house of the Lord and I wrote about it actually in 2005 if you haven't read the book Planted you need to get the book Planted and you need to read the book because you'll find the benefits and the blessing and I'll tell you this much the people that I see God blessing the most are the ones who read that book devoured that book and then practiced the principles of that book and now God is blessing their socks off hallelujah and so, Luke 14, 16, then he said to him, a certain man gave us a great supper and invited many. I want to make sure everybody understands, I am not angry at anybody, but I feel a fervor in my heart. This is a life message for me. And this is not only just something, a life message that I've taught, it's something that I've lived. It's something I've experienced, and I promise you this. The Bible says, Psalm 92, verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. It says they will flourish in the, I said they will flourish in the courts. When you're planted in the house, then you begin to flourish outside the house. But if you don't get planted in the house, then you won't flourish outside of the house. You're flourishing outside of the house in your job, in your family, in every other area. It's dependent upon you getting planted and getting some roots down in the church, in the house of the Lord. He said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Come on, we got everything ready. It's time, supper time. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. Everybody say, make excuses. Look at somebody say, that's a bad thing. And by the way, if you can't come up with one, the devil will supply one. It's usually not very difficult to find some excuse. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And by the way, you see, one of the things we need to understand is a lack, the, the, the attitude and the lack of attendance and being in the house of the Lord is showing disrespect for the Father. You know what? And if somebody will disrespect the Lord, they'll disrespect me. If they disrespect the Lord, they'll disrespect you. You know what? And God, I, I pray for a revival in Washington, D.C. that will drive the politicians back to church so that might get right decisions made then amen we got a Jesus problem that's the problem we have and politicians ought to go to church what did you say Gil he said all of them from the top honcho all the way down every one of them ought to be in church they ought to be exampling the behavior for the rest of the citizens of the United States 
And another said, I have brought, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that's, sir. <laughs> Let me paraphrase this. I'm in bed with my wife, you know. I, I, I got, you know, whoo. Uncle, Uncle, burning love. Still another said, uh, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry to his servant, said, go out quickly. Now understand, the master in this story is actually the Lord, okay? This is a parable that is speaking that, that, that the Lord is angry. I've invited you, and you're not showing up. Think about that. The master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city and bring in there the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you command, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. See, each one of these men had a legitimate excuse. However, their legitimate excuse caused them to miss the supper. You can have a legitimate excuse and it can cause you to miss the supper. Now, I want to make sure I give you a balance. I understand there's going to be times that people have to miss. I get it. You know, there's times that, that, that we have to miss. Uh, you know, there's, there's times that you can't show up. I totally understand. But you know what? If you're only being able, if it's always, and you can't ever, and, you, and, it's, and it's this little thing, I got a hangnail, I can't come. No, put a Band-Aid on it and come on to the house of the Lord. Amen? And so, you know, these kind of things are... Deliberately just planning things always. I'm filling up my schedule with stuff. No, what you've done is you prioritize other things in your life. And I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I'm just telling you, you're going to miss out on the supper. You know what? There's a lot of believers that are missing out on the meal that God wants them to be feasting on. All because they're not showing up. I know that we all know the Psalm, Psalm 23. How many know Psalm 23? You all know it? Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, by the way. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. The word for pastor, the literal definition of the word pastor is shepherd. So Jesus is the chief shepherd, and then he has under shepherds that are responsible for carrying out his ministry within the earth. The ministry of Jesus as the chief shepherd is actually carried out by local church pastors. And so, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Right? And it goes on to say, you prepare a table before me. Y'all know that part? You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. You know, sometimes I think we put periods in the wrong place. And we have to realize that what he's saying is, as the shepherd, God has prepared a table before us, period. So that in the presence of your enemies, you'll be anointed with some oil. There's a lot of Christians that are operating without oil. 
and have no power over their enemy because they're not, first of all, showing up at the table to get the spiritual food that they need in order to gain the strength that they need in order so whenever the enemy shows up, the anointing of God will begin to flow. Because listen, the Word is anointed. And if you let the Word begin to flow out of you, if you let what you begin to have digested on the inside of you, if you let it begin to flow out, I'm telling you, it'll push back the forces of hell. It'll push back the forces of darkness. But there's so many believers that are operating on empty all because they're just not showing up and they're not sitting down at the table and they're not eating the supper that God has for them. Can I tell you, there's an exhortation of the Holy Spirit today. It's time to church to get to the table and eat so that my anointing can flow through you. I'll tell you, the most anointed people that I know are people that are always in the house of God. I'm just telling you. The people that are anointed in their area that God has called them to function and operate in are those that are constantly there. I'm not saying they don't ever miss a service. Please, I want to make sure everybody understands that. And I'm not going to condemn you, and I'm not, I'm not taking role after uh, you know every service, and we're going to give you a call or anything like that. Nothing like that is going to happen whatsoever. But I'm telling you this this morning and preaching this this morning for your benefit because the Lord wants to do something great in your life. He wants to do something great in your family. And in the world and the culture that we live in today, we ought to be gathering together even all the more because it's craziness that's out there right now. And we got to fortify our kids. We got to fortify one another. We got to be fortified in the spirit, fortified in the word. And the way that it happens is by gathering together and having a heart for the house. Would you stand to your feet today? If you get anything out of this this morning, see, I believe that the Lord is saying this. I believe the Lord is doing this. I believe God wants to give us a heart for the house. There may be some of you that have had a, you haven't had a heart for the house. Again, I'm not here to, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. What I'm here to do is shine the light, saying, hey, you just gotta wake up. You gotta, you gotta get a hold of God's principles because listen, if you don't operate with the principles of the kingdom, you'll never see kingdom blessing. You may be seeing a measure today, but understand this, if you wanna see the fullness of everything that God has for you, you gotta operate in the principles of the word. You gotta be a doer of the word and being a doer of the word involves, part of it involves being in the house, having a heart for the house because you can't really have a heart for the Lord and not have a heart for the house. That's just the bottom line, you can't. You can't love the Lord and not love your brothers and sisters and not love the church. We have to love the body of Christ. We have to love the church. We have to love, and for us on a, on a uh, individual uh, localized level, there is a local body that God has for all of us. I believe that you that are here, this is that place. And again, if you may have been, this may have been the first time you showed up in a long time. You know, understand, I'm not targeting anybody. Look at somebody say, Pastor's not targeting anybody. And then look at somebody say, he's targeting me. <laughs> I mean, the word's for everybody. It's for every single one of us. The word is for every single one of us. And this is a word. You can go all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament and you see this principle repeated over and over and over. We gotta have a heart for the house. How many say this morning, I want God to do something inside of me and I wanna have a heart for the house. I want the heart of the house to begin to be revived on the inside of me. I want the heart of the house, a heart for his house to come alive on the inside of me. I believe that, you know, everything that God's done within my life, it goes back to somewhere. Thank God my mom and dad cultivated within me a heart for the house. Obviously the Lord did it, but you know what? It took some parents to help 
we co-labor with the Lord is what the Bible says. I thank God that they, you know, again, they, they cultivated within me. All three of my children are all serving the Lord today. All three of them are in the house of the Lord today because a mom and dad cultivated within them a love, a heart for the house of God. It wasn't just because, well, this is a profession you can go into. We never thought about that. This had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with a career. It had everything to do with what God was saying. It had everything to do with what God had called us to do. And so they have a heart for the house. Because they have a heart for the house, they have a heart for the Lord. Will you lift your hands today? And I want you to pray this within me. Pray, pray this today. Pray it. Father, I ask that you would revive within me a heart for the house, a heart for your house. I ask that it would come alive. I declare in the name of Jesus, every spirit of lethargy leaves me now. I declare freedom. I declare deliverance in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that healing and deliverance is the children's bread. I receive it today in the mighty name of Jesus. I make a heart decision that from this point on, I will prioritize your house. I will prioritize your kingdom. I will prioritize the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for idolizing other things, for allowing other things to come before your name and your house. In Jesus' name, I receive it now. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise and glory today? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.